too, was that it doesn't really matter what the distance is or what the space is, but but that the space could be could be used somehow. Could have to like be there's possibility in the space, whether it's this much or you know this much. Or, but there's some there's or there's intelligence there or there's something in this space that could be. And that's where the experience can come out. I don't know really yet. Well, let us know, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the conversation makes me think of a star and I'm wondering how it relates to her and being able to see and being able to, to connect through space to whatever vision she sees. And when you start asking that question, I don't know if, if that's what we're talking about. Is there a correlation between the space that connects us and the now? What would you say? Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Is it the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, a question like that would come from a wish to have an experience. And so for me to sit over here and, and talk about it in a certain way is one kind of experience, but it won't be one that would last for you. You know, it wouldn't be a new reference point for you. It would go into your, you know, your mind and then you'd sort of fool around with it, but you wouldn't have had the experience of that which was the, the source of what that question came from, of the wish that that <laughs> question came from. So. <laughs> Look at that little consciousness go. <laughs> now be careful. Look at that big consciousness trying to catch you. <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation with it. Give it to you. Eat it. I have a question. Put some space between you. <laughs> See if the connection's still there. I'll be the first. <laughs> or stop the evolution of that. Uh, open up the back door. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you a kid? Oh, I think it would be dead by this reminder. Here, hold your hand up. No, I'm not going to touch it. It's your consciousness. <laughs> it doesn't need to touch too soon. That's probably the first bug I've ever rested. <laughs> I know. You have started the planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with awareness. That's the problem with consciousness, because it automatically begets the responsibility. Do you feel body squint? Wow. Yes. I and remember you not, killing up. Not out of rote. I choose which bug that I kill, as long as I'm aware of it. You know, I either choose not to or I choose to. That bug's going, man, that conversation was good. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I killed the bugs in my house. I would not have put it outside because I would have known it would have come right back. <laughs> well, if it comes back in, it's probably it's death. Yeah. <laughs> when Mary was talking about object permanence, it made me think about how, like, okay, I got there at six months of age or whatever, but how, as an adult, like, how much, if I don't, how much I believe that if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And that it's like every day I see that more and more and more. That um, it's like I don't want to see it, so I don't see it, and so it doesn't exist. 
you know, when do we forget object permanence? Yeah. <laughs> when, do when does it go away? I think what happens is, like, at six months, you get, like, you have the concept, but I think that at some point you de develop a consciousness about it, that you have it, you know, even if you can't name it, and you know that you can put the napkin over it yourself and, and turn away. What is <laughs> that? You know, you still know it's there. Um, it's, there's no unconscious. You still know it's there, but you just, it's a choice to look at it or not. You know what, Sue, I had a, a really simple, kind of almost silly experience of that when I hurt my back, you know, a couple of years ago. And I, and Dr. Go, the Chinese doctor who comes here, gave me an, a, a lamp to use. And it was a infrared or something like that. And I was trying to look at the directions, which were in Chinese. <laughs> so the only thing on the directions that I could look at was this little graph, kind of chart thing in the middle that showed light. And it was a continuum of light. And in the middle was the only light that we can see. And the light that existed on both ends of it is light that's not visible. And it was a, I really took that in and thought, and why do I question what I can't see when most of what exists is stuff I can't see. And it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that that was a simple, silly little booklet in a lamp that just... Turned on the light for you. It did! It's true for all of our senses. I mean, there are things we don't hear that are sounds. And, and there are things, and there are senses that we have no idea exist. You know, that was a question I wanted to ask, is what have we not experienced? Oh, yeah. I want an answer. <laughs> I know I get more than you've experienced. That's a great question. You could live with that question. Oh, yeah. You could walk into every space with that question. I, I came in, I, that's sort of what I looked at every demand. I looked at Kristen's demand and thought, what? how much more is there? that we have not experienced in that room, which is what uh, which is what's driving me to want to do the camp training. And that's what I want out of that. Mm -hmm. It's something I haven't experienced. That's so you that would be a pure research training. That's what I like about it too, because you walk in not knowing, just committed, committed to experiencing what we could experience. Discovering what there is to discover, not knowing what that is, only committed to it. So there's lots. Well, that was like a flying, flying example that we did at the practicum. Mm. Flew over the people. Well, to me, this is what we're about here. Is is experiencing what more what we don't know. That's the, the feeling that I have is that what, if that's what draws me here. It's like Betty Lou when you said that. I mean, that's been the question all your life. You just forgot it. And that's the question every child has every moment of their life. Like, what can I experience? And I see that all the time with my little, little kids. It's like, that's, that is what exists for them. It's like, what am I experiencing right this second, and what am I about to experience? And you can really rephrase the question is, what kind of trouble can I get in? Yeah. <laughs> and what kind of drugs can I take, and what kind of, you know, how drunk can I get? And what can my yeah. grandma do? Well, you know, when I was in school, that was a gremlin question. Yeah, what can my gremlin, you know, it's usually the gremlin that, that, that can shatter the limit of what's normal or what's supposed to be and what's pop into 
what we don't know. Are you to have a happy accident. So without access to the gremlin, you wouldn't have curiosity? Curiosity, I experience as an intellectual thing, which is a pretty useless kind of thing. But the wish, like, like Mary's talking about, like the wish to encounter the new experience is a, partly a gremlin thing. It's just like, I am bored. Let's try something different. And you're saying that the natural state of child is in gremlin? Is that what I'm hearing? Like young children, like Kayla, whatever? Well, the, <laughs> no, because the, there's a capacity, there's a time at which responsibility can occur, and in a child, responsibility can occur. So there's some level of development. And what, you, what age is that? I, what? I name it as 15, responsibility. Where, where responsibility can be expected to occur. Yeah, I would say around there, depending, you know, probably the means 15. Yeah, so being responsible for responsibility occurs about 15, and, it, and be, before that, um, a child's in adventures are purely educational, purely purely to learn, and you can't attribute it to a purpose or a motive that's, that has re a responsibility attached. So, but it's, you know, it's so why do you need to piggyback on that, though? There, if, you're, if you spend time with one child and that, begin to see their consciousness arise. It, there's a change in just only being conscious of themselves in the moment to being conscious of um, the world outside of themselves. And, and that starts to happen, you know, between the age, you know, like between six and 12 months, and it just, it grows. Just, you know, it, it grows exponentially from there, but you can watch, it, and it grows depending on the environment they're in, and, you know, depending on their experiences that, that happen, but um, it's really incredible to watch that. Well, I just was going to say, and then as I was sitting here, I thought, well, maybe I'm just really thinking linear, linearly, but if a child doesn't have the capacity to be responsible till, to the age of 15, let's just, you know, say that's it, then what is the purpose as an adult with a child of, you, you know, like think, teaching action consequence, you get to make your choices, there are consequences, and, I mean, to me that's like trying to, I mean, maybe. What I, what I said was, that, uh, for me, like what I, is to, they are not expected to be responsible for responsibility. Okay. But certainly, there's lots of experiments and experiences and reference points that build that build the ability to be responsible up until that point, like the action consequence decision thing. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have that, then the occurrence of the, of the actuality of being able to be responsible for responsibility at 15 is diminished. So that's crucial mm -hmm. building blocks, I think, to that. And but but you know, a lot of us have, were prematurely expected to be responsible by our parents who, you know, like one the divorce or, you know, one's working all the time or there's all these kids and you're the older one so, you, you know, you're the mom and I'm going to, you know, like we've been, a lot of us had that experience of being forced into a kind of responsibility before it was really appropriate and that kind of some damage happened, sort of a wound that we carry from that. Yet, yet, if we don't have the opportunity to do that, to do those um, um, 
experiments in becoming responsible here and they're like you know my kids have the horses and the animals and they're incredibly responsible for that and they chose it they're doing that experiment themselves it's not like merry christmas you have a horse now you got to spend eight hours a day taking care of it for the next 12 years you know it didn't happen like that these kids have just been doing experiments along their own and sometimes you know in my eyes they're not responsible enough with you know, it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and they haven't fed the horses yet, so now I'm involved in, you know, instead of laying down in the bed to read or something, I'm out trucking gallons of water in the cold night to the horses. And so there's like, there's like a, um, they can't, but I, but they can't be expected to be responsible because I'm still the parent, you know, in that case. And so it's them, the fact that they have horses is my responsibility, ultimately. Mm -hmm. about, do we have, I mean, it's just, did you just have like one gremlin, or is there, and it just has lots of legs? <laughs> 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 or eyes, or hands, or just. <laughs> you could be an artist. No, I'm not. Underworld artist. <laughs> no, I was just sitting here, and I was thinking, okay, There's so this would be There's a movie called Phantasm. Anybody yeah. see Phantasm? You did? No, I don't think I've Yeah, with that. the ball, with the little lightning rod. Yeah, but that little, that little tarantula thing, you cut the guy's finger up and it changes into this tarantula bug. Anyway, <laughs> it has all these legs. What, so is, like, is, well, how would you discover the answer to that question? Well, I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking I know what my gremlin is, and then I'm sitting here just moving around, moving around, and I'm thinking, that would be a gremlin. That just keeps me disconnected from, you know, or like if I go to write something down and I'm not hearing what's being said in the moment, so I'm thinking, weird stuff over here. I mean, and the answer to that would be, yeah, I guess, I, I'm thinking that it's just a branch off of your main one. Yeah, I, I think there are facets of like a gremlin that almost like, you have a gremlin around your mom, you have a gremlin around, you know, policemen, you have a gremlin around the doctor, or whatever, you've got a gremlin around your husband, you've got a gremlin around this teacher at school or the minister or, you know, you have lots of little qualities of the gremlin, but I think that the core energetic is, is a gremlin. The archetypal gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> and then the multiple personalities that the gremlin unconsciously used by the gremlin or consciously used mm -hmm. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about this interior map and our, our, who we are, but there's like a lot of gremlin and chaos out in the world. And as a mom, uh, I get pretty frightened by that. And, um, you know, I keep reading, if I do my own practices and my interior work of waking up and becoming a conscious human being, that world out there is going to transform because it's a reflection of who I am in this moment. And, Yet at the same time, my training says use my voice, name it, uh, and so it seems there's a level of discernment that's demanded to be in the world and yet uh, not succumb to the illusion of what's happening in the moment. And my question is, what is my question? The question is, um, how do I not succumb to the fear? I just like, 
you know, if I listen to Y2K and the UFOs that are landing, I mean, there's like this whole deluge of stuff that just churns fear. And I sat at my TV the other day and I got this thought that somebody created a box so they could manipulate my emotions and use my emotions. I've never had a thought like that before. I thought I didn't want to be around the TV. It just I'm starting to see things through a different lens. And it's unnerving. It's uncomfortable. Is this part of awakening? Yes, it's part of awakening. <laughs> <laughs> I, the I don't like it. It's very unnerving. It's very uncomfortable. I cannot look at anything if there are patterns of chaos everywhere I look. I'll give you some information. Yes. It only gets worse. <laughs> I mean, like the movie Matrix is starting to make real sense, you know? And it's not pretty. It's really, really ugly. Yeah, it's a gremlin world. We live in a gremlin-owned and manipulated world. And what we're, this conversation that we're having right now isn't allowed here. <laughs> so, and it's necessary. You know, it's like, like I, we were talking about the evolution thing. The little pockets of, of, of consciousnesses having this kind of conversation, but it's pretty rare. This conversation is pretty rare on this planet. So the clarity for me is the more I can speak about it, the more I can learn about it, the more I can be aware of it and be conscious of it. And there's two theories. I'm going to extend your comment a little bit. But there's two theories about that. And one theory is particularly, I've heard from a guy named E.J. Gold, says there are and only ever will be and only ever have been a certain number of people having this conversation on the planet ever. It's a limited, it's a fixed number. So it doesn't, just because there's a population increase doesn't increase the number. There's, there are, there's a set number of awakened masters or there's, there's a set number of um, groups, you know, of, of, it's like a fixed number. And then the other thing is sort of almost a new age kind of thing, which is we're on the verge of the new age, which is like where everybody's becoming so aware and so conscious, and pretty soon the hundredth monkey will, you know, will wake up, and then the whole planet will transform. And that the point of, you know, that we're all evolving together. And then, then there's the other one, which is sort of like the secret school um, theory, which is that there are enclaves of um, true investigation happening, and the moment that uh, the moment that a, a realization of truth is marketed to the mass market, it, it becomes dead. So, as soon as Andrew Cohen's magazine called "What Is Enlightenment" becomes available at the, um, Kroger's, it's dead. That whole school is dead, and it's it's a it's a, a paradox because. The, the inclination or the movement is to just to go well, like people need to know about this. People, we need to understand. We're going to just keep torturing ourselves and killing each other and dying in painful ways, and until we realize some level of consciousness, you know, and that's so obvious that this has to be carried on and 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 made available. 
because it's and um, the, the force that says, well, it can only be allowed, it can only, there's only so much of it that can it be, and it just won't happen, or it's not necessary. It's like you have a big pot of soup, um, it only needs so much salt. And if you say, well, salt is great, salt is wonderful, it's good, it tastes good, like, you know, don't you like salt? Yeah, let's have salt soup, you know, you dump all this salt and it just ruins the soup, you can't have it. So there's the, there's like we're, who we are as a spice in the soup. A little mixy spice, and so it's a precarious existence because the way that um, the salt is uh, limited is um, kind of like what happened with um, Fred in his past life, you know, adventure and um, event. You know, he was like a leader of this thing, and um, they caught him and killed him. And it was, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens? You know, the what's it called that they had in Spain? They go through the, the, the Inquisition. The Inquisition. Yeah. What did you say? But the Inquisition, you know, they go around and say, you know, they just look for the witch or the witch hunt, you know, like that. But they still do that today. Yeah, so the next time they give you one of those things, you take it. You a religious track, you say, Thank you very much. I appreciate this a lot. Thank you. This has been great. I'll read it. Thank you. I, I've been waiting for this. And <laughs> what's, is it, what's the distinction between that and being adaptive? What you want to create is your, okay. it's your purpose. It's what your purpose is. It's, it's theater. It's all theater. So if you think it's real, like you thought, <laughs> if I take this religious tract from this religious person, then they win. I lose. Well, I just thought, I don't, I don't I'll be after my demand, I was like, I don't want to hear anything about, let's get that church thing out of, you know, I didn't say that, but. Didn't the last event, didn't you get a thing on your window that said you could become a millionaire or something? Like, wasn't there something on your windshield or something? I can't remember. She yeah. didn't let that Remember, you could win a million dollars or something like that? It's like, for me, like when you were talking about the salt. And the fact that when something becomes available to the mass market, it's almost like in in the small circle that it's talked about. I mean, I think I think that we're talking freely, but we're talking we're also careful about the way we're talking about this. We're talking very we're choosing to talk about it very consciously. And I think that when you throw it out over the television or over um, you know. A magazine, you are making it available to every gremlin that's running around free who doesn't give a damn about consciousness, who who doesn't want want to function in that realm, and they're like Pac-Man gobbling up whatever little new bit of information they can get to shoot off the next bomb with, mm -hmm. and it's like that's I think that's the um, that's that's what that's that's what pop culture and the mass media is. It's like been created to feed, to feed that. It's a feeding, giant feeding frenzy of big problems. And they've created the pop culture and the mass market to, to try to satiate, you know, keep them, actually not satiate, they just want to keep, keep the machine going. I don't know. Is the likelihood that somebody hears something, learns something, experiences something that they wouldn't otherwise have heard that then leads them somewhere. I mean, that yeah. would be like that we should never share the event outside of this room. Mm -hmm. 
because it's in a gremlin world and nobody can accept it. So I have trouble with that, mm -hmm. that theory about that, because I, I sort of like that, the theory of postmodernism. We are moving into a postmodern age, and this is happening. To me, this conversation is happening in lots of places. But you, you know, something that mm -hmm. what comes to my mind is that you know there is every application is different. You know, like what's wanted and needed in terms of how the event is seated, for instance, may be an entirely different want and need from, say, you know, an article that the Dalai Lama has put out. See what I'm saying? It's like, you know, more like a principle above how to advertise a certain situation to get the best results for the planet. There's this other principle, there's a higher principle, which is what's wanted and needed in the situation for this to occur in the way it needs to. You know, I may not know how it needs to evolve, how it needs to develop, what, what a number of people would need to be involved for it to feel, fulfill its purpose. You see what I'm saying? It's so Not really. Okay. Well, I understand what I'm saying. And, <laughs> and so Therefore you do. Because <laughs> we're all the same. Yeah. Okay. So you got it. We all got it. <laughs> well, you know, if you think about it, though, like somebody like the Dalai Lama, let's say he gives talk, a talk for hundreds of people, but I bet that he's what he's talking about to those people is not what he's talking about to like his closest students. Yeah. It's you know, it's probably a pretty different conversation that he's having there. Just like the conversation you have with somebody about the event is different than the conversation we have with them during the demand. Yeah. It's different than the conversation we're having right now. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's like well, there's a different For me I don't agree with the third theory only because if you bring that into your consciousness and you make it real for yourself, then it exists and it doesn't die, and you pass that on to your children, your children's children. And I, so I don't believe it, it dies. But I do think if you come in with technology that's too high, like if you gave me some theory uh, in physics and just quoted it to me, I, didn't, I couldn't use it because I wouldn't understand it. But if you start at the beginning and explain, then you could. So, I mean, this technology is pretty high level for the outside world, uh, which is why I think the intro is important, because it gives the basics of where we are. And uh, that's the only way I think you can bring that technology, is to give some quick remedial course, almost what the real voice was set up for. You know, outreach is a, an integral part of uh, a group's continuing to exist. And, and for the teaching that it has, that it carries, it's like a, um, a vehicle, the group is a, a living organic vehicle for the teaching to continue through, through time, to, to be passed on to, you know, the, just to, to be carried. And the outreach is part of that, because, um, like you said, there are people who are, we call them black sheep, there's black sheep who, who want this kind of food, and they have to first encounter a book or a talk or a poster or something for them to um, get the, find their way home. And, you know, people get old and die and, you know, there's attrition and there, but so, so there's this continuous thing. But the event has been around for 10 years in America and look at it. We are down to one city, 
three or four times a year in America, North America, and the entire continent. It's one city three or four times a year. Green uh, Life Spring doesn't exist anymore in America. Uh, Warner Earhart's organization is giving teachings, but they are um, not evolving the teaching. The teaching is a is a static teaching. It's really almost a dead teaching. It's valuable. It's useful. It's interesting great distinctions, and it's not evolving, because Warner isn't there anymore with it. So, so there, you know, it, you might think it's happening all over the place, yet, you know, if this were, if this were that kind of a thing, then there would be a group like this happening in every major city in America, because we've been doing this for 10 years, and all were, you know, yeah, if, if you guys weren't, we what'd you say? Why other people don't see what we see? They do see it, and they put the napkin over it. You say you don't understand why they don't. Yeah. They don't want to. On, on the other hand, uh, they've chosen that. The, the like this article, what it says is there's seventy. It's a seventy billion dollar industry. Personal growth, personal development. So, what are they? They're looking for something, but not. It's not to the depth. What are people? If, it, if it's that much and that big, people are looking for something. I also think that um, because of the occults and, and the bad negative press it's gotten in the, on the news, that people have a fear and a um, perception about it. Um, about what? About people that are doing new age stuff, new uh, technology, or things they don't understand. Um, I think that if there was a program or even a news uh, that promoted this or promoted this type of work or there were some positive things that came out of it or we, it was shown that uh, New Line was doing prison trainings and corporate trainings, then the, the perception would change. I mean, even though it's, it's difficult work, it's painful, but I, I don't know anybody who's been in the event personally that has not changed their whole perspective on on Athenor or New Line. Their whole perspective changed from what they heard before they went in to what it was after. It was interesting yeah. when we used to do the event, I remember reading something you wrote about this, Clint, maybe I was transcribing it when I first started working in the office, about people who come into the event and we, we would like do sort of the old style demand where they, we would see what they needed to get and we would try to give them this huge piece and they they would would see it at the time but then they couldn't sustain it because it was too threatening to their view of life and it was just too like there was no way for them to integrate it so they would discount it they would come they would get something and then they would go the next day they'd go in their life and they had no foundation they had nothing to sustain it so they would discount it and and now it's like we and over the years have, have started um, presenting it in a way where people are, it's like it fits into their, their view of life and, and then expands it. So we go with their view and then we expand it so that then they can go home and then they, they want to take the next, the next step with it, then they do. But um, if we, when we, I think when we used to just sort of give them the whole ball of wax and then some, it was like, 
it was they I think that they would they would often choose not to, you know not to do it. This little conversation that we had when we first sat down, like for the first hour that we were talking, so far, that conversation could not have existed six months ago or a year in this group. I don't know how long we've been having these meetings. Uh, maybe a year. With me talking here, talking about this kind of stuff. No, no, no. About, about, a about a year. But it has taken a year to build what I experience as a listening. There's a, a capacity to hear or listen or call forth or ask questions about and understand the answers to, or have a need for the the, the level of information, whatever that we are talking about here in this group that doesn't exist other places. Because I tried to have a talk like this in Germany with the Germany camp group. We sat down in the group, and I was—I just come from a group here, and I go, "Okay, I'm ready. Let's go." <laughs> and I'm ready to cut into this total—you know, there's no such thing as irresponsibility stuff. And it just went, <laughs> and so I backed off a notch. It came down to something less, and it went. <laughs> I had to back off six notches <laughs> with that group before I was with them, before we were together at the same place. And we started at a very, very <laughs> basic, fundamental place, and I'm going. This is going to take work. I mean, I have to, you know, and I don't have the consistency necessarily with that particular group because there's other trainers over there. There's a whole bunch of other trainers who come into town, do all kinds of other stuff. So I won't see that same group again for six months or a year. So there's not enough consistency to build the listening for this kind of a conversation over in Germany at all. Yeah, I remember the first talk you gave us. All we talked about was the Kremlin, mm -hmm. and we talked about it for three hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say something about um, what you said, Kristen, about the consciousness. Um, I think that what I'm starting to see is that consciousness is a, acquiring consciousness is a process. It doesn't happen. It, you don't get, you don't necessarily get a huge chunk of consciousness all at one time. I think, I mean, I just, I see it with kids. They get consciousness gradually, they in, and then they integrate it, and then it's there, and they have it, and they can either access it or not. But it's it's like what you like how you refer to genius. Like people can't can't always get like as big of a piece as you might want them to get at that moment. It's like Nobody can. Yeah, it's it's a pro it's a process. So since you said that. Um, something that Clint said about uh, when you lose your object permanence. He was saying it as a joke, but I was refer I was thinking in my head to um, how we numb out and how we get rid of that. And so I'm wondering if that is, if it's too painful when we attach meaning to things and, and get understanding and consciousness of things around us and we put all our energy into it and make it an object. Because uh, I think somebody over here said something about uh, getting rid of the, of the or not acknowledging the stuff, but we attach, give energy to things and make them objects, and they're too painful, and so then we, they don't exist anymore, or our denial, and so I'm wondering if, um, when we're young kids, if there's not consciousness, and we're already starting to, to lose, I mean, I understand what you're saying about object I think you start gaining consciousness, um, probably from the moment you're born. But I think it starts maturing at about, I mean, from my experience, at about the age of six months is 
when it starts to come in at the mature form, I mean, it may be there from the moment, you know, the embryo is developed or before, you know, if you want to go into like a spiritual realm. But, I mean, I think the maturation that we see in humans starts happening around the age of six months. Let me tell you something about consciousness, which is that uh, actually consciousness uh, can only grow on what's called a matrix. And uh, it's a different matrix from the movie. <laughs> a matrix is a, uh, is a, a framework of Context that consciousness grows on. So, so there are things that build the matrix so that consciousness can expand. If you don't have a, a matrix that, it's like the matrix gets built first, and then the consciousness can get put on it. Um, and if you don't have the matrix, then it doesn't matter what awarenesses you or experiences you encounter; they won't stick because, like, there's no nothing for them to stick on. So the does anybody know what, what builds matrix? Yes. Practice builds matrix. So Florida made a comment to me a couple of years or so ago that my sister did not have the capacity for the work. And I, I refused to believe that. And I've kept on and kept on and kept on. It's like with every attempt, that becomes more real. So is that what you're saying, that she doesn't have a framework, she's not willing to build a framework to do it? Or that the, um, the, the amount of work that it would take to build a matrix that's, that has the capacity of being of service to um, the principles that are the work um, would take more than one lifetime to build. So that you know, some in the future, some other lifetimes or whatever, whatever model. But but there isn't enough time in one lifetime to build the matrix big enough for the work to be interested in her. So it's something else too. It's like sometimes there's a missing piece that needs to be filled in. It's like that's what was happening with me. You know, the, to, the training where I was asked to go and get some therapy. It's like I had a missing, very big missing piece that nothing could build. I had built everything that was top heavy, you know, and it was about to fall over, you know, until I filled in that piece, that cornerstone in there. I wasn't going anywhere. And that, and that's the importance of um, working with a teacher, because a teacher can go. That's what you need. Uh, you know, do this and that, and it will be completely nonlinear, orthogonal, you know, whatever. You can't, you can't predict what it will be. But that's why, that's why we hire teachers. That's why we make a, a contract with a, a teacher is so that um, we have that service in our life. That's what their service is. You need this now, or stop that, or here's what it is, or do this, or whatever. But it's all about building matrix. It seems like the group does that too, and the camp group, to an extent. There seems to be like a I'm demonstrating a group without a master. <laughs> <laughs>
but I think that that, that that's that the group is important in that too. Oh yeah. That there's a certain there are certain pieces that the group sees that maybe the master doesn't, but it's no. Oh, but there are certain sorry, functions that, that, yeah, that the that, group fills. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yeah, that it serves a function. Yeah, there's but three. That, that's the essence of why we cling to the that's it. For the group, for the group part. Yeah, no, for the, for the teacher part. So there's there's three ingredients. You need the teacher, you need the group, and you need the teaching. There's those three. And without those, you don't have a fire. Just like oxygen, fuel, and heat. If you don't have those, any one of those things, you don't have fire. When it was like a year ago last January when you came into the camp group, like, I mean, to me it was like a challenge to their group of taking it to another level. And I wasn't in Campton, I was just visiting. But I remember like all the discussion about what that meant and what that looked like. And it was like, you know, I didn't really see that much came out of that. So then, but it's like, it's so interesting how like that got planted and like, and, and where it's come. Cause I mean, it's, it, that's happened or it's, happening. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. So then it was like November when you came and did the Gremlin stuff and like everybody just like, you know, just like, it's like that's, we want that. And it's sort of falling in place. Yeah, you talked in January about creating what we, um, what was to take place in camp. It was now when he was at Rick and Terry's talking yeah, about. that was a year ago. You know, it was up to us to just create something. transcribed the tape in Germany that you're talking about when you went in. Oh, yes. And it was so interesting to, like, to listen to that after having been, you know, having seen what and experienced what was going on here. Mm -hmm. It was so, and, and it was like, okay, shift. <laughs> okay, shift. Okay, try this. But it was so, I feel like listening to it, it was, I mean, it just made me smile because it was, it was, yeah. I got a question about the matrix, or I would look at it as the framework for the worker or the consciousness. Um, so you have a person that's been through several events, and I mean, isn't that in them somewhere, in their body, and I mean, maybe when they grow up a little, or when they get... Well, can't they recall, I mean, if there's things that stay in your body, experiences in that, I mean, isn't that in them? And at their choice to, to use or not use, or, I mean, or maybe it'll just pop out of their mouth or into their head sometime, and they'll actually, it'll be there with them. The things that they were in, got from the event? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all is not lost. I mean, mm. you know, it's like, 
with your sister and that. I mean, it, I mean, still, that maybe just a different approach is going to hit them, and, and they'll recall some of that. Or it's, but it's actually more about being, like the way Betty will be with her sister mm, will be more really informative and instructive and valuable for her sister because her sister will, will, will resonate and imitate and pick up that impression. Right. She will get that impression from Betty Lou's being, of, which will open up a pathway of like, of there's something there that, that and to just have her move in that direction. And it won't be so much perhaps remembering the you know, drama triangle or whatever. Yeah, I know for me, like, the only way I, I mean, I really only enrolled three people in the training. And what I've, the way I've enrolled them is they literally asked me, you know, I want, or they said, I want to be able to do what you're doing. I want some of what you have. Every time I've approached someone to tell them about what I have, it's not, it's not a, it, 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 doesn't have the, it has not had the same effect. So that gets me back to the other thing that I was wanting to talk about with you guys this morning, which is if practice is what builds matrix, and matrix is what consciousness grows on, and the expansion of consciousness is what? Fun. <laughs> the only game in town. What are the practices of, of camp now? What I was having this conversation with Fred, and Fred will have to listen to this tape, I guess, but um, because you know, as I understand it, Fred's a space holder for camp. Is that true? Yeah. So it's, it used to be Porna. Porna used to be the space holder for camp. And if Porna is not the space holder for camp, or if he's not the, the first space holder for camp, and Fred is a space holder for camp, then it needs to be Fred's vision of what camp is that um, everybody understands. Everybody needs to understand that. And whether Fred's vision of camp is identical with Porna's, or Fred, whatever Fred is capable of doing or chooses to do, to do, to hold, that is what camp is. That is what camp needs to be. And my uh, presence here, uh, I wish to be in alignment with the vision of what camp is. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. I can't, I can't coach to um, the vision of what camp is unless I know what it is. And when Porno was a space holder for camp, I knew what the vision of camp was. But at this point, I don't really know what it is and because of the conversation that we just had